On today's episode of the John Campion Show podcast, The Flash opens this weekend, but what kind of box office returns are they looking at for this opening weekend? We'll talk about that. Also, one of my favorite shows on television, Harley Quinn, comes back. They've announced it's coming back this summer. Warner Brothers really wants to kiss and make up with Christopher Nolan. They're doing some pretty extreme things to try to get him back. Also, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, it just had its world premiere, and its overall critic ratings went up, but not by a lot. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campion Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Coming from right here in our little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good things, not just giving you our opinions, but hopefully giving you some information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Sitting with me today, we got Ray Ora. Howdy. Jonathan Voiko's here. Hello, everybody. Chris Carr is in the house. Hey, guys. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. And here's how our show goes, guys. We're going to spend the first part talking about those predetermined topics we just discussed. Then in the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. Now, if you guys are listening to this podcast, and thank you for listening to our podcast, we also have a YouTube channel that we put videos up on every day, and we have channel members over there, and we ask every day our beloved channel members to submit topics and questions for us to address, and we'll do those in the last part of the show. All right, that down, guys. Let's roll into it here, and we're going to start with this. It's game day. Game day. The Flash opens today. 10 years. A decade in the making. A decade in the making. And The Flash (laughs) is finally here. It opens today worldwide. A bunch of us got to see it at CinemaCon a little over a month ago. A bunch of you guys had a chance to see it at a couple of advanced fan screenings this week. But today is the day. Fully opens nationwide. And I'm very excited because I really like this. No, I I love this movie. I think this movie is great. Not one of the greatest comic books of all time, but a great, fun, entertaining movie nonetheless that Michael Keaton totally rules in. I love Michael Keaton in this. Now, one of the things that I've been saying, and we made a video about this earlier today on the, on the uh, YouTube channel, but one of the things I've been saying forever about this movie is I have no idea how it's going to do. I just don't. Like every movie I have a guess, ah, I think this one come in about $50 million. Ah, this one will come in about 100 I honestly have have had no clue about which side would prevail. The pessimism side about DC films have been really struggling, all the Ezra Miller drama, all this other kind of stuff, it's going to be low. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if this movie opened to $40 million. On the other hand, there's great positive buzz rolling about this film. Michael Keaton is back as Batman. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing's open to $120 million. Like, both ways. Well... We are now on the week of it opening up, and Deadline has come out and said that they are projecting that this film's going to come in right around $70 million. Now, let's put that into context of the last couple of DC films that have come out. Black Adam opened to $67 million, right around where they're saying Flash is going to open. Black Adam went on to make $370, $380 million, something like that. It didn't hit $400 million. Shazam 2, well, was pathetic. 
Uh, I mean, I, I like this movie. I do. I, I like it. But its results were pathetic. $30 million opening weekend on its way to a hundred and thirty something million dollar overall worldwide box office. Poor Zachary. Poor Zach. Mm-hmm. I like Zach. I, I like Zach very much. I do too. But this is, doesn't matter if I like it or not, this is the biggest flop in the history of comic book films. At least as far as the big blockbuster, big studio DC Marvel films. There's never been a bomb as big as this one. Well, now we got The Flash that they're targeting at right around the Black Adam number 70 million. Now, I don't believe that just because Black Adam made 67 and went on to make under $400 million, that necessarily means the same thing's going to happen to Flash. As a matter of fact, I believe Flash will make more than Black Adam because it's got a couple things going for it. Number one, it's a better movie. I liked Black Adam, but Flash is a better movie. Number two, I think a lot of the audience is going to have fun with this thing. And I think there's going to be a higher potential for repeat viewing and a higher potential for word of mouth to get more people going out. Now, again, don't this movie's not going to be a billion-dollar film. People have been arguing with me about this for six months. Flash is not going to be a billion-dollar film. But I think it can exceed the high 300s that Black Adam did. So I think it's going to do better than that. But still... You know, look, I said I wouldn't be surprised if it makes 40. I wouldn't be surprised if it makes 120 opening weekend. So 70 is would be kind of right in there. Chris, what do you think about this opening number of 70? Do you think it'll be higher or lower than that? And then more to the point, since it's opening close to what Black Adam did, do you expect the same results that Black Adam had? Or do you think it could exceed what Black Adam ultimately made. What do you think? I think the 70 number is pretty much on the money. I think that sounds about right. Not a terrible opening, but not exactly what DC wants, obviously. They would like some higher numbers. Now, I've had to reconcile that I live in a bubble with people who work in this industry. Even my friends who are not actors or writers or on the production side of things work to some extent in the film industry here in LA. Right. Even my friends who work in insurance, they cover for studios. So the people <laughs> who I know all know about the Ezra Miller drama. Mm. Our average moviegoer may not. They might not unless they follow, you know, TMZ people, those kinds of things a lot. But I do think the average moviegoer is pretty turned off by DC at this point because they know that there's going to be a bunch of different movies and are kind of like, well, who's who's in the Justice League now? Who's What's the Justice Society? Who are these people? What's going on? I don't know. Because when my parents talk to me about this, they'll also do the, hey, yeah, who's who's in the lineup right now? Is how they, mm, they run it. Right. Who's on the lunchbox? Yeah, who's <laughs> on the lunchbox? It's very much that. So I do think people have kind of lost a little bit of interest or faith in what DC puts out. Now, if the word of mouth is as strong as what critics were saying with those initial reactions post-CinemaCon, what some other people have been saying, then I do think this could have some legs. But I personally see this kind of just circling the drain. Not as bad as Black Adam, certainly not as bad as Shazam, but I don't think it's going to have the staying power that they were really hoping for, especially with how much this movie's been talked up. Ray, you you liked this movie. You actually, I think you said you, it, for you, it's your favorite DC movie. Yeah, it is. Are you planning on actually? I need to see it again this weekend before I do my open spot. Would you be interested in going to see this movie oh, again? Yeah, definitely. Because I want to see if my um, initial reaction still matches up with uh, my right. second. Because it's been over a month since you be- saw it. Because we went, or I went into that uh, screening so hyped just to see the the film because. It just looked good to me. I mean, um, and I came away very happy. But I also want to see it a second time just to get a feel of, like, the audience more. And and just to see if I can confirm what I saw at CinemaCon. Because it's been a while now. Yeah, it's and been- we saw it. 
when we watched it, we were in a pretty hyped environment. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that like 5,000 seat auditorium, oh, that, that was yeah. with a lot of buzz. And well, you got, you're, it's bigger than any movie theater, like the Celine Dion theater there at Caesar's Palace. I mean, there's like 5,000 seats in there. So yeah. it was a pretty charged atmosphere. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see how we feel. Plus, you guys didn't get to see all the cameos. Yep. Because there were things that they held back from the CinemaCon audience. So, yeah, apparently just tiny little things, like a a little, nothing that fundamentally changes the movie. Yeah, but but just still some fun little nuggets for you on your second viewing. But I'm going to be curious to see if those things take away from the movie or whether they add to it. Mm. I have a feeling, speculation. I have a feeling it's going to take away from the movie. Mm. I don't know. We we will have to see. Okay. Question is. How are you guys feeling about this? I, I wonder, do a lot of you guys planning to go see it? I mean, at $70 million, there's got to be some of you, but not necessarily all of you. Listen, I'm telling you, I think this is a fun movie. I think you guys know need to go out and check it out. And uh, I cannot wait for us to do an open spoiler discussion on Sunday. So just a little plug there. This Sunday, we will be doing an open spoiler discussion live stream. Hope you guys will come and join us uh, for that. All right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this. I've, I talk about a lot on this show and on our channel that one of the best experiences as a movie and TV fan is not watching something you were excited about and it turns out to be great. That's wonderful when that happens. Totally wonderful when it does. But the best thing is when you watch something that you had no expectations for and end up loving it. There's something really special about that. And Harley Quinn is one of those things for me. They first started advertising this Harley Quinn animated TV show. And I said, this is a stupid idea. Because <laughs> I, I generally don't like a lot of Marvel or DC animated stuff. There are certainly some things I really do, but a lot of it I don't. And then I saw the previews for it and I thought, this really looks idiotic. Whose stupid idea was it to make this? And then it debuted and I wasn't going to watch it. And then I had a whole bunch of our listeners writing out to me and saying, John, I really think you're going to like Harley Quinn. And finally, after a while, I gave in. I'm like, all right, fine, we'll check it out. And I fell in love with the show within five minutes. Hmm. That The opening scene of the first episode of Harley Quinn with Harley and the Joker, you know, robbing and taking over the boat of all the rich guys in Gotham Harbor, I was hooked on this show within the first five minutes, and it has never let me down. It has introduced me to some of my favorite characters on TV now. Clayface, unbelievable. The Joker in this, unbelievable. But probably most of all, Bane. 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 Who gave one of the greatest single lines in the history of television when asked why he was eating that big plate of pasta. (coughs) Him saying, I'm carving up for the fuck fest. One of the greatest lines ever. By Bane. I love Bane and the singing. Of course, Harley and Ivy is the best romance I've seen it in any comic book stuff. You love to see Harley in a healthy relationship. Yes, you, you really do. do. You really do, especially coming out of the situation she was in with Joker. Yeah. I I love this show so much. Anyway, uh, I was just thinking the other day, they had a Valentine's Day special earlier in the year, which was quite funny. But I was just thinking like two days ago, when is the next season coming? Well, wait no more because the reports are coming out now. That, as you can see here, Harley Quinn season four sets an HBO Max. Sorry, Max. You know what? It's going to be a while before I call it Max. HBO Max, because you never should have taken the HBO out of it, you freaking morons. Anyway, uh, Harley Quinn season four is coming to HBO Max this summer. 
So that could be any time within the next, you know, 75 days that we're going to be getting it. And I cannot wait. And again, whenever I think about this, Chris, about the show, I just think back to myself at CinemaCon, not CinemaCon, sorry, Comic-Con years ago when I saw the first bits of advertisement for a Harley Quinn animated show is coming. And I, my first time I was like, oh, hey guys, we have a character who's kind of a little bit popular right now. Let's make a show about her. Like, and now flash forward to today that I am, other than maybe the next season of Last of Us or the next season of House of the Dragon, I don't know that there's anything else on television I am more excited about watching than this. Anyway, what do you, are you a big, I can't remember, are you a big Harley Quinn I fan? I enjoy it so much. This? I am very far behind because of the things that I auditioned for. I'm watching a lot of Disney Junior and Nick Junior, which makes my algorithm <laughs> weird. It's very confusing when your husband comes home and is like, why are we watching these baby town frolics? What is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, so I am pretty behind. I did get to watch the Valentine's special, but I still need to catch up on all of like seasons two and three. Oh, so you've um, only seen season one. I've only seen season oh one and then God, the Valentine's the show Day special. Better. I'm very excited about it. I also love though too, I was reading this in the direct when I was trying to kind of get a little research on this too. Kite Man's getting a spinoff? No. Yeah, according, really? according to the director, there's going to be a show called Kite Man Hell Yeah. I was going to say Hell Yeah. <laughs> so like a, I love Kite yeah. Man. So there's going to be another spinoff from the animated series to have him have his own show with the other Disney, uh, not Disney, gosh, DC villains. That's great. Yeah. I, I That's totally, what they're saying, the at least. Way, their take on every single one of the classic Batman-ish villains, I love them all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you know, I talked about the, the Bane favorite line. I don't know why. Clayface, the, the line is so stupid. It's so dumb. And out of context, it's not going to mean anything to you guys if you haven't seen the show. But whenever I think of Clayface, I just think of him saying, Lady Gaga, I, and I, almost, I want to die laughing every time I just think about it. You, you got to see it. Yeah. You got to see it in context. But uh, yes, a kite man spinoff. A kite man spinoff. So supposedly, this was on the direct earlier today. Um, that there was kind of this untitled show kind of floating around featuring the fan favorite supporting character, Kite Man. And just today, they released the name Kite Man Hell Yeah, highlighting the central villain even further as he teams up with iconic DC rogues like Bane and Lex Luthor. Hmm. Oh, my God. So so I need to catch up on a lot of things, but also fucking in on that. That's amazing. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> for that. Uh, yeah, guys, listen. This is going to sound strange coming from, but, but, uh, but listen to me. If you have not started or tried watching Harley Quinn, now, Grant, it is very adult humor. Like, so if that sort of thing is not your bag, then yeah, Harley Quinn will not be for you. It is incre- incredibly filthy and dirty and and very vulgar and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> that's right up my alley. Uh, but if if that kind of stuff doesn't bother you, I highly, highly, highly suggest you guys check out Harley Quinn. I'm just so far behind because, as you know, I fucking hate swearing. Oh, you. <laughs> You've, you've got to get on it. you got to <laughs> get know, on Star Wars because the show so just much. gets better and better. All right, guys, listen. We still need to talk about Warner Brothers is trying desperately to get back together with Christopher Nolan. The Indiana Jones reaction is coming out. Uh, we're going to get to all those things. But first, we're going to take just a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campbell Show podcast, our friends at Masterclass. 
We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn filmmaking from James Cameron himself, you know, the guy who made three of the four biggest films of all time. Improve your writing by taking screenwriting from one of the greatest who's ever done it, Aaron Sorkin. Or maybe learn how to make great comedic content by taking comedy by the one and the only Judd Apatow. And many of you guys know I'm a big poker guy, and I recently got a chance to sit down and watch Daniel Negreanu, one of the greatest poker players in the world, teach poker. It was absolutely fantastic. But guys, whatever you're interested in, there is a class for you with over 180 exclusive classes taught by the instructors you know and love. And you can explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, computer, and on the go with audio mode. Individual lessons range from about 10 to 15 minutes in length that fit easily into your everyday life. Guys, I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every class and as a John Campia show listener you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Campia now. That's masterclass.com slash Campia for 15% off Masterclass. And thank you to our friends at Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia show podcast. Alright guys, with that down, let's get on to this shall we? So Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers. Two words that for a long time, two phrases that went together like peanut butter and jelly. Like Siskel and Ebert. Siskel and Ebert. Like Bugs Bunny and Daffy (laughs) Duck. It was a... It just went together, right? Right. Christopher Nolan made all of his biggest films with Warner Brothers and all that kind of stuff. Well, (coughs) that all fell apart a number of years ago when... The old ownership of Warner Brothers under AT&T and under their old CEO made one of the dumbest decisions in the history of Hollywood to take all their movies coming out that year and release them day and date on HBO Max and dump them on streaming, which elicited Christopher Nolan to write a now infamous scathing letter that said basically this. I went to bed working for one of the greatest movie studios of all time. And I woke up working for the worst streaming service. Yeah. And there's no coming back from that. That thus endeth the relationship between Christopher Nolan and Warner brothers. It's Christopher Nolan. Like we don't feel so bad now because we're not the worst, (laughs) you know, held a Christopher Nolan held a big TV special on ESPN and announced that he was taking his talents to universal. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yep. And he took him over to Universal, (laughs) and now we got Oppenheimer coming out over there at Universal. Well, of course, a lot of things have happened since then. Warner Brothers is no longer owned by Mm AT&T. The CEO was shown the door. Discovery took over Warner Brothers, and David Zaslav is now the head honcho over there. And we've got a couple of new studio heads as well. And they just did this big interview on Variety the other day. And part of the thing was... They see their mandate, like besides a number of big things, like emphasizing our thing here at Warner Brothers, our studio is not looking at Max. We are a theatrical first company, a lot of good stuff they talked about. But they also took some time to talk about the Christopher Nolan situation and expressing that they want him back. Uh, This comes to us from Variety. 
And yes, they want to mend fences with Nolan. The Batman mastermind is perhaps the studio's most successful director, one who lit a match and walked off the lot after Jason Klar, that was the old CEO, day and date debacle, grousing with scorched earth flair that he went to bed working for the greatest studio in the world and woke up working for the worst streaming service. One of the greatest things Christopher Nolan's ever written, by the way. Uh, They went on to say this, we are hoping to get Nolan back, DeLuca says. I think there's a world. Uh, Both executives concede that Universal Filmed Entertainment Group chairman Donna Langley is a force to be reckoned with as she secured Oppenheimer after his public breakup with Warner Brothers. DeLuca and Abdi remain hopeful. Two sources familiar with Nolan, listen to this. Two sources familiar with Nolan say that the director received a seven-figure royalty check from Warner Brothers within the past eight months. The payment was tied to his 2020 film Tenet, which the studio released. A source says Delukan Abdi and Zaslav all agreed that he was owed the bonus in good faith. No strings were attached, no. according to the insiders, but the studio was partly motivated to repair the fractured relationship. Nothing says I'm sorry like a $4 million check showing up out of the blue. I need more people to apologize to me. It, I love this. Now, remember, it, it wasn't all that long ago that... That reports came out that David Zaslav was seen having lunch with Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. And we all speculated at that time that this is Zaslav going around saying, look, listen, the way they dicked you over before, that wasn't this Warner Brothers. That was a different Warner Brothers under AT&T, under Jason uh, Kalar, under like that was these were different people. We value you. and We want you back. And. Again, nothing says that more than sending a multi-million dollar check in good faith. Good faith, baby. In good faith. Fuck, I got an advertiser right now who owes me for four months of uh, of marketing, and they have not, they, they are trying to dick me over. Uh, I'm not going to say who right now, but believe me when I tell you, I'm getting ready to go scorched earth on these guys. But 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 I'm going to I'm giving more time. I'm going to give them a little bit more time here to make things right. But but listen, just getting together, say yeah, let's send them a multi million dollar check. They <laughs> want him back so badly because look, one of the things David Zaslav and Deluca and Abdi have all said is that look, Warner Brothers has traditionally been known as the place creators want to work, right? That, that Warner Brothers was the studio that was all about filmmakers. And that was the place they wanted to be. Under Jason Kalar and AT&T, that changed. And that changed severely with Christopher Nolan saying, I woke up working for the worst streaming service. And right now, they want that back, right? Zaslav, Abdi, they want that reputation of Warner Brothers back under this new Warner Brothers. Now, can they get Christopher Nolan back? I think that all depends on how good of a job Universal does shepherding and managing this Oppenheimer movie. Do they market it well? Can they get the audiences out to it? Because if it's a huge hit, I think Christopher Nolan's going to say, you know what, I'm very happy right here. If it maybe it struggles, maybe he starts to look at greener greener pastures. This kind of reminds me of, it's really far off, but LeBron James going to Miami. Taking his talents there. And then going back to Cleveland, going back home. Getting that championship yeah. after, like, I think the owner apologized. Because remember, they had a, a pretty bad uh, thing after he left Cleveland. Remember, oh, the yeah. owner wrote something that was very offensive. Hurtful. Oh, I remember. No, the owner said two things. He said, number one, James will never win, a, win, win uh, an NBA title. And he said, Cleveland will win an NBA title before James ever does. 
And of course, James did win titles in Miami mm -hmm. and then went back to Cleveland, won a title in Cleveland, then went to Los Angeles, won a title in Los Angeles. Yeah, that, that worked out pretty well for LeBron, I think. If Christopher Nolan goes back to WB, it's going to be a win no matter what. He, he makes some good movies. He's made great movies under them, so I shouldn't see any sort of, uh, especially with this, this new uh, ownership. You know, they, they look like they want him, they'll do whatever he, he, he Well, listen, the statements it. they made earlier in the Variety article saying, we are a theatrical company. We are about theater releases, not about streaming. I, I can't help but think a part of that was directed to Christopher Nolan, yeah, too. Absolutely. Because yeah. that's exactly the words that Christopher Nolan <laughs> well, I mean, wants to hear. What do you think about this, Chris? These two, first of all, I really, really like... Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi. I Me think they too, are actually, wonderful. Yeah. I think they're they're the exact kind of people you hope become movie executives, studio executives, because they love movies so much. But they they talk in this piece uh, on Variety, which Michael Donnelly did such a great job. This is such a good article. Yeah, I really love it is. so much. I highly, highly recommend y'all read it. They talk about how they want to give filmmakers the white glove treatment. And that's always been the impression I've gotten from these two of how they want to treat all of their creatives is make everyone feel very, very taken care of, heard and worked well with that. They're part of the collaborative process to help you not hinder you, which is lovely. But man, they are having to not just walk things back that Kalar did. They're just tap dancing all over the place here. Hey, no, no, no. We're all about theatrical. We are not about the streaming business. We're, Max is its own thing. David, you go take that for a second from us. They are having to put in so much work, it feels, to really make everyone feel like this should be the home of outstanding movie theater movies. And it is a hard uphill job that they are doing right now. Yeah. That number, though, giving giving that kind of baby comeback money. Woo! <laughs> baby baby comeback. Come that is that is wild. And it's just it all of it too right now is just I can't help but look at it too with the view of because I live in the valley, so I drive by the studios all the time. Of we're giving people this amount of money, we want them to make feel like they're getting that white glove treatment, and then I drive by all these writers striking and everything. <laughs> the the industry just feels like it's such a mess right now. So, kudos to Abdi and Deluca for trying to make things work. I understand why Nolan did what he did. Ending a 19 year long relationship yeah. is hard, but when somebody shows you who they are. Let them. And he moved on to Universal, and it seems like he's having a great relationship. I think how Oppenheimer does and how Oppenheimer is treated is going to have a lot to do with how he moves forward. I completely agree. Because, like, there's a the romantic part of me would love to see, like Ray was saying, I would love to see Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan in business together. Yeah, I think slow about motion all, run towards one another. Be beautiful. <laughs> all, you know, Christopher Nolan's at the airport. Warner Brothers is racing yes. the airport to stop him from getting oh. on that universal plane. But, but at the same time, I'm a little, I'm also a little bit of a dance with the one who brung you kind of guy, right? Like he's at universal right now. They, what looks like they have made a magnificent movie together with Oppenheimer. And if they can get, Financial success with that as well. I think Universal right now has done a very good job marketing this film. Uh, like the movie fans I talked, I mean, listen, this isn't going to be a billion dollar film. No movie like this will be. But <clears throat> everybody I talk to, film fans I talk to are all excited about Oppenheimer. They've done a good job presenting this thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll see. If at the end of the day, though, Warner Brothers can mend fences with, I'll tell you what. David Zaslav has done has accomplished some pretty big things at Warner Brothers so far. They got Max to be profitable for the first time in a while. 
They've got their, you know, they pulled the trigger doing what I think they needed to do to get the DC rebooted mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. They've done some good things. But if David Zaslav can get Christopher Nolan to come back, that'll be the crown jewel for for him, I think. That, that'll that be the thing that he makes a plaque out of and hangs it on as well. <laughs> we got Christopher Nolan back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that would be a massive, massive hit for them. So we'll see. All right. With that down, guys, let's talk about this, shall we? We actually made a video about this one a little bit earlier to do, but Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is coming out at the end of this month. We're just two weeks away now for a movie with that, again, much like Flash, has been 15 years in the making since they first started talking about doing another one. They made the ballsy decision to debut this film at the Cannes Film Festival in uh, in France. And it did not get the results they were hoping for. It actually got more negative-leaning reactions from a lot of outlets, the big major outlets that tend to enjoy Indiana Jones and Disney Fair and whatever, and they, a bunch of them didn't like it. Now, yesterday, they had the world, the official world premiere in Los Angeles, and a lot more members of the press got to go see it. A lot of more people got to go see it. And overall, the critic rating for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has now come up. Not a lot, but it went from the 40-something to 55%, which, again, is not great. And then a whole new slew of reactions came out. Now, we won't go over and read all the reactions again. We did that in a video that's on the YouTube channel a little bit earlier. But sufficient to say that they were all over the place. <laughs> like one reaction. Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny is a total blast. It's a wild adventure ride. The next one literally, literally started off with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny stinks. With, with big old, and, and that's what it is. It's kind of all over the place. Now, there's some things in it I like hearing. But there were some things mentioned that didn't. The one negative one that really stood out to me, and I can't remember which critic said it, but they said, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny feels more like a journey than an adventure. Mm. I'm like, oh, that cuts deep. That hurts. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny feels more like a journey Mm. rather than an adventure. It's a personal journey. A personal journey of inner discovery. Yeah, Yeah, I don't go to Indiana Jones movies for that. I and that one. So I'll tell you what. As somebody who's been very excited about this movie, it was it ranked on my most anticipated films of the year. Not not super high on it, but it was up there. I'm really kind of nervous. Now, now, Chris, we saw some footage. Yeah, that was classic indie. That was very a good 15 minute scene they showed us at CinemaCon that felt totally classic indie, but. We've had movies that we saw chunks of footage for that didn't actually end up being good, even though the footage they showed us was good. But, okay, so now we've got the reactions coming out of Cannes. We've now got the reactions coming out of the the uh, premiere. What are you expecting out of this movie at this point? I don't even know. I don't even know at this point. I, I will say some of the reviews from Cannes I thought were a little harsh mm-hmm. because so many of them talked about the CGI as opposed to the right. film where right. it was, okay, well, I understand that if this does, isn't executed well, I totally get how that can pull you out of the movie and everything. But could you talk to me more about the movie? Talk to me about the meat and potatoes here, not just the sides and the trimmings, all right? <laughs> but people coming out of this now, these uh, other journalists coming out now are talking about how much fun they had. And really, that's all I want from an Indiana Jones movie. 
I just want it to be fun. This also has kind of an uphill battle, right? We all have seen these Indiana Jones films. We know those classic Raiders. We know Last Crusade and everything. And as Indy has aged, we've had to contend with an older Indy. And that makes for a different kind of movie. Mm, You don't have the young professor that everyone's just kind of swooning over in the classroom, right? The character changes and morphs as time goes on. And so some of the reviews I was seeing, too, were, you know, this just doesn't feel as fun. And Indy, you know, I feel like we, we focus too much on his age and stuff in this. His age is part of it. It's a big part of him. He's an yeah. adventurer who has aged. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it for myself and see how I feel about everything. You know, I'm going to end up seeing it multiple times because Logan freaking loves Crystal Skull. So, <laughs> I mean... I'm I'm in this one and I'm probably in it for 40 hey, years. Glad Helen Mirren's not in this. If he if Helen Mirren's in this movie, <laughs> like she's a love interest. Oh my! You would gosh. already have five sets of tickets to this yeah. thing. <laughs> like he wouldn't see it with me. He'd be like, "Get out of here!" But you said you said something interesting about how the fact that he's like no longer the the college professor that everybody swoons over. Of course, that classic scene from the first movie with the pretty girl in the front row blinking her eyes with the words "love you" on it and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought one of the shots in the trailer was really a an excellent shot that was, I think, artistically meant to juxtapose against that because we think of Indy in the college classroom with the girl swooning over him. And then in the trailer, we see him as an old man sitting on a subway, mm. crowded on a subway, just holding his books and stuff like that. And I thought that was a really neat juxtaposition saying, let's now visit Indy again way later in his life. Yeah. And whether or not that turns out to be a strength of the movie or a weakness of the movie, like some of those early reactors you were saying... Is I think that's going to be the key to whether or not this movie works for yeah. us, I think. I, it was something my dad and I were actually talking about. Of He loved that moment in the new trailer of, imagine you're Harrison Ford or somebody who looks like Harrison Ford mm-hmm. existing. And you still experience that thing that, he was, that, that I will say that men my age experience of, I became invisible. Where mm-hmm. it's just, I'm, I'm oh. an old man who's going to go about his day and I don't have the same kind of attention paid to me. And that's a very interesting and weird thing to go through in your life, to go through somebody who is important in a business room or in a classroom or those kinds of things. And then towards your later years go, what's my purpose? What am I doing around here? And, he was, and it's one of the things that for him made him interested in this movie because he thinks that he'll have an emotional connection with this right, as well. Even in the movie, I believe they showed a scene in the trailer that he's retiring. Exactly. At that point, right. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Again, I, I'm, I'm still excited to see the film. I really am. It's a, it's an Indiana Jones film, but yeah. I, I think my expectations are being kept in check right now. And hopefully I'll walk out with uh, what I will define as a pleasant surprise. We'll see. As long as we don't have something like the treasurer's knowledge where even he is disappointed, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, we are now going to move on and start taking questions that our channel members have sent in. But before we get to those, we're going to take a second here and thank a couple more sponsors to today's podcast, our friends at ExpressVPN, and of course, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, it is 2023 and online privacy and security has never been more important. You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you. It's super simple for somebody online who knows what they're doing to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email from somebody you don't know, your IP address could become exposed. Now that's where ExpressVPN has your back. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And you don't have to be some kind of 
the techie to use a VPN. Guys, it is so easy to use. Just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. And if you like your streaming entertainment, here's the coolest part. They let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. This is incredibly useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash campia. Use my link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash campia. Go to expressvpn.com slash campia to learn more. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at ExpressVPN and Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. Remember, guys, when you check out and support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you look down in the description, you'll find links and promo codes to all of today's sponsors. And thank you again to Masterclass, ExpressVPN, and of course, Mint Mobile. All right, guys, with that down, let's get into the questions that our channel members have been sending in, shall we? So, Chris, what do we got up here first? From Sam Fisher. I'm really excited for this Netflix Tudum event on Saturday. Maybe it's because two of my most anticipated shows are the live action Avatar The Last Airbender and One Piece. And we've got nothing or next to nothing about either of the show's visuals. Yeah, that's one of the neat things. We talked on our podcast a couple weeks ago about the announcement that our first look yes. at the live action Avatar is coming at this upcoming Tudum thing. And I, listen, I'm not I'm not one of the world's biggest Avatar fans. I I, I actually quite enjoyed the Avatar: The Last Airbender series, I but am. I am very very interested in this live action adaptation, especially when I started to see the cast coming together. Again, other than HBO, Netflix does TV series the best. Nobody does TV series as good as Netflix, other than HBO. And so I got some high hopes for this. Chris, I know you're you're big on this franchise. I love this so much. My steel book is like in a shrine. But are you excited or worried about this live action I thing? am. I was cautiously optimistic. And now I'm getting more and more excited because I really love this cast. The creators not being involved does make me a little hesitant. But Appa is Iroh. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't do better than that. That is incredible to me. So I'm very, very excited about this. And, you know, just a little thing, too. The creators were also involved with the M. Night 
Sh- uh, I thought they weren't. They, they, they well, well, they are producers. They're producers, but on, I believe they it. walked away on that because everyone's name is mispronounced and it's all white people and it's well, just weird. You know, and all winning cures everything. I don't think all that would have been would have bothered people as much if the movie was good. But That's it's so true. bad. It's one of the only movies I ever walked out of. God, I hate it every moment. So bad. So bad. I, I can't I, believe it. I actually hope it's really good because it's going to be my first time watching this series. <gasps> I'm going to wait until the series comes out because I haven't seen the animation. Just because it just was. Well, there's that- a project for you before the the show comes out. No. Watch the animated show. I no, I kind of really want this to be, and if it's something that maybe because you want to watch the new thing without the baggage. Of, yeah, of right. Exactly. Okay, and I, plus, I get that. Yeah. And plus that initial poster that they released with that big hairy white uh, dog looking thing, it's and the, the sky and, bison and the bald guy bison. looking up at him. Yeah, that's angry. I think that looks really what's, cool. What's what's the flying buffalo's name again? Appa. Oh yeah, it's, it's which Appa. is very confusing when I'm because like because we yeah. have Appa at playing Iroh, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh my gosh, you'll love that cartoon though, Ray. Oh, yeah, you'll you'll like it a lot. It's amazing. All right, what's next? From Dork of the Ninjas, yesterday, June 14th marks the 10 year anniversary of the release of The Last of Us on PS3. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on the legacy of the game and its future possible. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I I, I still remember walking into Ray's garage as him and our buddy Ryan and Ryan was sitting out playing this new game, Last of Us. <coughs> um, they are simply Last of Us One and Two are simply the the greatest storytelling ever in the medium of video games. There's never been stories told as well. There are other great ones. Uh, God of War is a great one. Red Dead Redemption is a great video game story as well. But I mean, Last of Us 1 and 2 has just made the best narrative storytelling ever in in games. So it's, uh, and now it's one of the best shows on television with the TV series as well. So it's got quite the legacy already. All right, what's next? From Ian A. Barth, my girlfriend overheard you recommending the restaurant Lazy Dog recently and is now obsessed with the place. Damn you, Campia, for destroying my wallet while pleasing my taste buds. Tell you what, so there's, um, every town and every neighborhood's got one of these places where there's a building where no matter what business or restaurant opens there, it fails. And there is one of those in uh, a plaza area that we live that a number of things have come and gone. I think Claim Jumper was the last thing was there. I used to like Claim Jumper. But then this place opened called Lazy Dog. And they got this neat little thing where they have this big outdoor patio area where they encourage you to bring your dogs. And they'll bring your dogs their own little bowls and their own little dishes and stuff like this. We like it. And you know what? The food is good. And it's one of the less expensive places we've seen, despite the fact it's got great decor, good service, good food. Um, They have a beer club? They do that. I don't drink beer but you get a number of benefits with yeah. the beer club that I'm actually thinking about joining the beer club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little place. Rob does it. You should talk to him about it because mm-hmm. he loved it. I, I don't know. I'm the one, I think I'm the one who brought Rob there for the first yeah, time. Probably. I, I brought Rob to the Lazy Dog for the first time. And so I, I'm i going to have to, again, I don't know if how big of a chain this is. I know of three locations. I don't know if it's going to be anywhere near, but if, if you have a Lazy Dog near you, I suggest go check so it out. So good. All right, what's next? From Dr. Stinky. Yes. I'm on my second week of Stranger Things rewatch, and I'm on season three, episode five. Nice. I just forgot how spectacular the show is. I hope we don't have to wait long for season five. We already have the first two episode names. I, I actually don't love season one. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm like, I watched season one because of all the hype, and I'm mm-hmm. like, and I thought hey, this, this is nice. This is this is pretty good. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I was really attracted to it because of the Dungeons and Dragons connections, mm-hmm. obviously. But I didn't 
love it. Uh, to me, it's a series that's gotten better and better. Even mm. season three that I know a lot of people poo-pooed on, I, I really like season liked. three more. Season two, it took a dip for me. Think so? Yeah, for me, it was like season one, season two, and then season three is it's, it's trending upward now. Yeah, I, I like season three. Which but- is the one where we had the Kirkland X-Men? That, that season was season two, two okay. and it was awful. Yeah, that's why that I like backdoor watching. pilot yeah. thing. The, the punk rocker guy. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I, Come know. On. I stopped watching that during that season. But season four oh my God. was great. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And uh, I'm looking forward to five. I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I've rounded the midpoint. I'm in a rewatch of uh, West Wing right now. I'm now up to season five, episode 14, I want to say. But God, that... If you guys have never watched West Wing, watch West Wing. It's it's one of the greatest television shows ever made. And it's so holds up. Actually, I think it's an important show. I think everybody in America should watch that show. They really should. Anyway, all right, what's next? From Esteban Reyes. I'm watching a Korean show called Bloodhounds on Netflix. And if you're into boxing, you'll like this show. Oh, well, okay. whenever I hear somebody mention boxing, I immediately look to Ray. He's he's the boxing guy. Have you ever you heard this of this? Nope. I've never looked. I've uh, never heard of this, but I will check Imagine it out. Imagine that, a Netflix show that no one's heard of. Blood Imagine hounds. that. Okay, what's next? From Dr. Stinky again. Hey, John and crew, finally get to see the long-awaited Batman Flashpoint tonight. Nice. I'm so excited. As long as it's better than Black Adam, I'm going to be a happy camper. Bring on the most filthy. I haven't Listen. even seen it, and I think it's better than Black <laughs> Adam. Yeah, look, I and by the way, I I like Black Adam. I have some big problems with it. I have some significant problems with it. But... But can I, okay, I, I know I've said it before. Can I just vent one more thing, of, of this thing oh, about Black Adam? What is your show? You know what's behind you. It still kills me that the thing the big bad guy is trying to do in Black Adam is raise this army <laughs> from hell, right? Oh, boy. And so this it's army from hell raises, and literally average people in the street pick up sticks and hit them, and yeah. they... Fall to dust. But it's the same 25 people. And, and yet we're in a city, but it's only 25 people. It's like, why are we worried city. about this army for It hell? wasn't even a stick. I actually think if you really look it like it closely, it's the uh paper towel rolls. Oh, oh there's a eh. Yeah, oh. the inner the inner the inner cylinder in the I'm paper towel. I'm pretty sure I saw a baby karate chop one too. Why you gotta watch out for babies. It, no, but seriously, I'm like, what, why was anybody afraid of this army from hell? These People I would have rather had them. Black Adam just shoot down lightning and it all hit all of them at once and just yeah. took them out. I mean, yeah, yeah usually. That power. was just, but the people, it's like, doink, these skeleton, whatever. And oh. they look cool. They look real cool, actually, the warriors that he summoned. But then Very they're just weak running warriors or whatever. I love the Justice Society in that movie, though. Yeah. I, yeah. I did oh, too. Hawkman. Everything Hawkman and um, um, uh, Adam Dr. Smasher, Wind Girl. Yeah. My God. Yeah. yeah, they were great. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Please I, bring that back in the DCU mm-hmm. at some point. All right. What's next? From a man, movie quote of the day. If you focus on what you've left behind, you'll never be able to see what lies ahead. That's from mm. Gust- that's Gusteau from Ratatouille. I recently sat down and rewatched Ratatouille because Ray had never seen it. And actually, our buddy Ryan had never seen it either. So Ann and I were like, come on over, guys. We're going to watch Ratatouille. And we sat down and watched Ratatouille. And and I I know that it's one of the best Pixar films, but you forget how good it is. It's amazing. It's so wonderful. And uh, Gaston, um, whether he's a ghost or a figment of imagination or whatever, like drop some... Heavy wisdom bombs 
in that movie as well. I love that movie. It's so good. All right, what's next? Dildar, the glorious. The glorious. There are lots of games showcased at Summer Game Fest this year. Besides Mortal Kombat 1, I'm really excited for the new Star Wars Outlaws game by Ubisoft. It's the first open-world Star Wars game with morality system. It looks amazing coming out in 2024. Yeah, this game looks dope. Yeah. It looks yeah, it looks, it really, looks good. really good. Yeah. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage because I just Ooh, love the franchise. Yeah. But... Above all, mm-hmm. and it will encourage me to get an Xbox Series X, is Starfield. Mm-hmm. I will be putting so many hours into just... I don't I'm not familiar with this. this. You... It, it's So the same people, it's Bethesda. So okay. Fallout, Skyrim, but it's in space. You watch it. They have over a thousand planets, and it's and you're not just locked to like a, a closed section of the planet. You can explore the planets. You can put outposts on them. You can build your ship, customize your weapons, your, your everything. It, it's like a Skyrim type of game, but in space. I'm going to be putting in thousands the, of hours into this. The coolest thing in their their showcase was he, the character lands on a planet and it's just dinosaurs all over it. Because it's different different planets. It's so crazy. All right, you sold dinosaurs me. In space? He said if you could see if he said if you could see it on the map, you, you can, can go, go there. there. If so you like, land, if you see it in the background, you could go there. Yeah. So like moons are really in synchronous orbiting and everything. I'll tell you what, right so when, like a when the when we're done. No Man's Sky? recording yeah. the show bring up that footage i want yeah, to see man, it. it's space but let's bro. let me give you another let me give you item number <laughs> 121 of the john's ineptitude on console gaming you can uh, play it list. on the computer though i um you're done. so ann <laughs> you're done, ann right? was out uh visiting a friend of ours for coffee so I decided I went into the theater room, loaded up the PlayStation 5 and I'm gonna I'm gonna get Diablo 4. Oh uh, yeah so I like the womp, Diablo womp. games right <laughs> So I downloaded it on the PS5. Mm-hmm. Spent about 15 minutes downloading the 80 whatever gigs it was. Yep, yep, yep. I'm like, oh, great. Fired up. Took me like 20 minutes just to get my account verified or something. Like I have a <laughs> Battle.net account, but it's just weird thing. Anyway, so got oh, yeah, all that right, done. Right, right. Played it for five minutes, gave up. Oh, yeah. You're already in a good mood, I could tell. I And I, and I, <laughs> I gave up. I'm like, oh, I, I don't get it. So you know what? I have to... I'm gonna, you know what, John? I'm so bad at this I, stuff. I'm gonna buy you. I should have just got it on the on the computer. I'm gonna buy you an Xbox, and then I'm gonna just tell you to buy all the games on that Xbox because so I can just have them. So you can yeah. have them because yeah. you're not playing them. You know what I need? You know what I really need? I need guys. This is, I I hate that I'm so bad at this. Like I've I've said, there are two things in the world I wish I was better at. One is console gaming, and the other is drawing. Oh, I, I oh, so man, admire if artists. I could draw. I admire artists so much, and I can't draw worse shit. Yep. But I honestly, dead dead serious, I I think I need you and Ryan to come over, oh. hang out, eat food, and just help me get through <laughs> this gauge. I gotta get over this hump. I know. I gotta I, get over this hump. I'm gonna tell you, I've been gaming on the Xbox consoles ever since the first one came out, and even yet, even till this day, sometimes I get mixed up with my. The joystick too, so it's not something. If hey, Ray, it's upside. You're holding the joystick upside down, no, man. Ray, no, no, I appreciate I'm, you trying to make me feel better, but my saying, level of awfulness cannot compare to you struggling once in a while with some things. Yeah, my well, level of awfulness, do your you, minor struggles. I, I will say this: I sometimes start to sweat watching John play. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yeah, when we're watching Wind Waker or him play, uh, what was it? Uh, Link. What was it? Oh, Zelda. yeah. Uh, Breath, of Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Well, we all were so good at James Bond. We crushed that one. Well, that was that not was, our fault. That, that was That sucked. was horrible. It was horrible. Do you need to invert your controllers or something? Oh, or I absolutely it? invert the Invert controller. it okay. to a PC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's, so, it's the mouse thing, right? Like, so to yeah. look up on the mouse, I, I pull back. Yeah. 
So I, the first thing I do with every console game I, is I go into the controllers and I invert the, uh, yeah. what's that, the Y-axis? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I invert the Y-axis. Is, is it weird that I only invert if I'm flying a ship or a, no, a car? No, that makes sense. Because then, then you're you pull back on the yes. stick. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. With, with, with like the blaster games, I'm like regular. Exactly. I have to, yeah, look yeah. up. And, no. Yeah. I, okay, I, I have to invert weird. though, yeah. No, no. no. Okay. If I All leave right. them inverted, Logan yells, what are you, a pilot? And then like, <laughs> like not in this game alright what's next <laughs> from CJ Rebirth happy five year anniversary to The Incredibles 2 wasn't better than the first but I'm glad I got to see it in theaters I loved seeing Mr. Incredible trying to help Violet and take care of Jack-Jack I I'm actually torn about which one I like better I, I thought Incredibles 2 was fantastic I I loved it and when Mr. Incredible became a stay at home dad that's some of the funniest stuff I think Pixar's ever done um, I thought it was the villain. The villain was a little weak. If I'm not mistaken, it was uh, uh, it was voiced by Ann Perkins. Um, uh, no, was it? Leslie, no. It's um, Leslie Nope. <laughs> Leslie Nope. <laughs> Catherine Keener. No, no, no. It's it? um, Rashida Jones. Rashida you're Jones. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I thought yeah, it was sorry. Catherine uh, Keener. Oh, you might be right, but I Ann think Perkins. it was Rashida Jones. Is uh, ultimately ends up being the bad guy in it. I thought that was her at any rate. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought it was Rashida Jones. Anyway. That movie is fantastic. Five years. Five years. Is it bad that I like Megamind more than the, the, any of the Incredibles movies? No. I wish. I don't think Megamind's all that good. I, I love right. that movie. It's, I can rewatch that thing over but it's and good. over. I don't know if it's come out yet, but there's supposed to be a um, uh, Megamind TV show. Oh, ruin it. it. Why don't there, you? But. They need to do a Frozone spinoff. I'd watch a Frozone, Frozone spinoff. All Catherine Frozone. Keener was the voice. It was Catherine Keener. She remains undefeated. Was Rashida Jones in the movie at all? Maybe. I, I, no. No. What am I thinking of then? I she think had. She had to voice some villain. If you had. I'm a, yeah, I must be thinking of something else. But yeah. I didn't realize that was Catherine Keener. All right. What's next? From Christopher Baker, how does the entire Secret Invasion show have a Rotten Tomato score if people have only watched the first two episodes? How does that work for shows? That is how it works. <laughs> that that a lot of times, a lot of Next times, question. <laughs> that the that will do it. <laughs> the the studio or the network, or whatever, will send out just the first uh, of the first couple of episodes, whether it's the first two, the first four, whatever. They'll send out a few episodes, and then critics will watch it, and they'll review what they saw. But the thing is, that is. The only reviews that are then out there for a while, and that's what goes up on Rotten Tomatoes. That's why when you go to She-Hulk, you'll see a pretty... Look this up for me, Ray, the uh -huh. She-Hulk uh, critic rating. It was 80%. Okay, that's why the She-Hulk rating was 80%, because even I, who do not like... I do not like the She-Hulk show. <laughs> I liked the first couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. So had I, and I didn't do this, I am a Rotten Tomatoes critic, but I, I, didn't, do, I didn't review this one. I only review like one or two things on Rotten Tomatoes a year. I really should get more involved. But if I had watched just the first two episodes and then had to put up my review on Rotten Tomatoes, it would have been a positive review because I liked the first couple of episodes. I just didn't like the rest of the show. And yeah, that's that's how that works. And even the top or like the um, verified critics, they're, they're not able to go back and re-edit their review at least one you time. You might be able to, but you're too busy. Why? Like, I, I'm not going to go back and redo work I've already done. You know, oh, why okay. would you? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, you're right. So. I, I, it's just, it's uh, yeah. I I don't really rely too much on any for for television critic ratings on on Rotten Tomatoes because I, I'm never really sure whether was this based on the whole series or was this based on 
the first three episodes. And that yeah. can be a very, She-Hulk is a great example of how, Obi-Wan is another one that can be very different. I ended up being pretty disappointed with Obi-Wan, but I really like, well, I really like the first episode. I, I didn't mind the second episode either. So if I had just seen the first two episodes of Obi-Wan and then went to Rotten Tomatoes, I would have given it a thumbs up. Yeah. But not I after guess, the whole series. I guess the uh, the people just have to click on it. If it's like a review that seems too high because after you read watch it. it you, yeah, 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 you gotta yeah. just click, not look click. at the numbers. You gotta then go read some right, of the blurbs. Right, right. Yeah. All right, what's next? From D Train, would the box office projections for the Flash have been higher if they used Christian Bale's Batman instead of Keaton's? I honestly don't think so. Nope. I feel like Keaton's given this a big old pop. Yeah, I, I think there mm-hmm. there's such a nostalgia value with Keaton um that uh yeah, I, actually, I think they made the right move uh, going with that. Obviously, I think the Christian Bale Batman movies are better than Michael Keaton's Batman right. movies. But I just think the nostalgia goes way deeper bringing in. And it, believe me, I think this movie works better with the Michael Keaton Batman than it would have with the Chris, uh, with the uh, um, with Christopher Nolan's Batman. I really do. All right. What's next? From a minute again, out of all the films, comics, shows, and games you've seen, what's your all-time favorite Spider-Man suit? I don't give a shit about costumes. Bombastic Bagman. Mm. <laughs> Bagtastic ba- Bombastic Bagman. Yeah, Bombastic Bagman. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about the costumes. About just about any superhero, so I don't really care. I like that one from the the newest one, the PS4, the one that was white. Yeah. The one I don't know what that suit it's called, but I think that's one of the coolest looking suits. I've ever seen on because yeah. just the white contrast with the red because you know which one I'm talking about right John no idea from the PS4 game oh no it's slick it's so good. the I remember though it was funny though because in Morbius when they showed that shot in the trailers of Morbius walking through the alley and there was the Spider-Man graffiti on the wall that was from this PlayStation mm. Spider-Man if I'm not mistaken I think that was the PlayStation Spider-Man uh, costume on there sort right. of comics I would say Todd McFarlane's run Ooh. his take on on his structure and the look but yeah all right, what's next? From Mighty Tank 1, while doing Guardians 3 Press, Chris Pratt made another comeback story joke while he was being interviewed with James Gunn. I was dying laughing because James was like, what the fuck, Chris? Check it out if you're browsing YouTube. I talked about it on the show, and I cannot remember the exact wording, but it had to do with a Chris Pratt dummy they made. For the movie, mm, right. there's a scene where you see Nebula carrying Star-Lord as something, but it's not actually Chris Pat- Pratt she's carrying. It's a dummy. And it has something. I remember it was one of the filthiest, dirtiest things I ever heard Chris Pratt joke about. And I thought James Gunn was going to die. I-, I can't remember the exact structure of it, though. So follow the advice and go look it up on YouTube. It- it's one of the funniest things you'll hear today. All right, let's do one more. From Benjamin Winicky, I'm finally getting around to watching Game of Thrones, and I just watched the Red Wedding episode last night. Ooh. My jaw was on the floor. What a moment. This show is incredible. What were your guys' reactions when the episode first aired? I didn't, didn't want to. I was like, I'm over. I'm done with this show. And the very next week, I was back. It was the first <laughs> that was episode the I watched. That was reaction of millions of people. Yeah. Like, like, one of the best things on YouTube is reactions to the Red Wedding. Mm-hmm. That is, those are some of the best, those are the best reaction videos online is the Red Wedding. And the number of them that end with, fuck this show, I'm never watching this show again. Yeah, seven but they days were later. Back next week. Yeah. I, I went over to my neighbor's apartment because they would come over for a drink. We're going to watch Game of Thrones. And it was that episode. And I had never watched Game of Thrones before. Yeah. And I was just like, what the hell is this, this show? Is awesome. oh, yeah. What is this? Why are they doing this at a but wedding? You know, when I rewatched it, and I've rewatched it several times, but the second viewing, I was like, they really telegraphed this happening. Mm-hmm. They really kind of like let you know 
Rob's going down. But here's the thing, like, for people who didn't know the book, you're going into this episode, you have what looks to be like the main character of the show now. Yeah. Because this is after Ned. Sean, uh, Sean Bean had yeah, left Ned. the show. So he's kind of the main character. But not just him, you had like four of the main characters of the show there. And in one moment, mm-hmm. they killed like multiple main characters in the show in one scene. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even a season finale. It was what just felt like, hey, just another episode, blah, blah. And they all got killed. Mm-hmm. The stabbing in the gut of a pregnant <gasps> woman. No just, one was safe. It's just no one was safe. Yeah, if you didn't know that already from this show yeah. with with yeah. uh with Sean being dying, killed, yeah. If you didn't know that already, this was <laughs> anybody yeah. could die in any episode. And folks. the band, the National, were the actual like band players up on the up in the balcony. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I did <laughs> not know. That. And he was singing. Yeah, the singer from the National was was singing the Reigns of Castamere, and that's when she starts to be like, "Why are they playing a Lannister song?" Oh yeah, yeah. it. I, I'm just. I'm. It. One of the brilliant things about that episode is that. The, forever the stakes in Game of Thrones went through the roof because stakes are about what could happen. And in most shows and movies, stakes are low because, well, they're not going to kill the main character. <laughs> and with that one episode, every single time any character was in peril, you honestly didn't know if they were going to live uh, or die. You get pits in your stomach. You're just like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah, like, with, like it's, oh, it's the main character of the show. We're not going to die. Guess again, because every time there's any sword fight between two characters or wherever there's a battle sequence or somebody is scaling along the ledge of a cliff or something like that, they could die. Yeah. And that show really made every single episode and every every single scene made the stakes feel mm-hmm. super high. Even a show that brought back somebody from the dead, like Jon Snow, even in a show like that, the Sorry, stakes yeah, were always Benjamin super high. for that. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, Benjamin, for that part. That's, don't Just worry about it. That. Don't worry about it. If you you guys know, I already I adore. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He's just started watching. No, we were joking though. That was that's, a funny that's joke. That's a funny yeah, joke. Ha-ha. I I adore Ha-ha. Ben Schwartz. Right when he got COVID, I follow him on Twitter, and he was tweeting his reactions to the entire series because he had never watched it. He was mm-hmm. like, I might as well get into this. I have the time. So if you want just a delightful kind of review of Game of Thrones, oh, I'll check go, it out. Go sure. read it because it's him being like, wait, no. I need you to tell me that this is okay. Yeah, I need yeah. you to tell me that this person's okay. And everyone's like, oh, Ben, no. Like, he's like, Sansa's going to be all right, right? Nothing's going to happen to Sansa. And everyone's like, define nothing. What's what's all right to you, yeah. Benjamin? It's all, oh, it's such a good review. And it's him constantly being like, I quit. Yeah. I give up. I'm watching And, and the story arcs. I mean, Sansa has a great story arc. Yes. And, oh, yeah. So does Jon Snow. My favorite is Jamie Lannister's story arc from mm. beginning to end, you know? Yeah, I need to yeah. watch it. Oh, man. It's all good. right, guys. That's all the time we have for today. So that'll do it for today's episode of the John Campion Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our YouTube channel members for sending in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, by being YouTube channel members, you're actually supporting us. And we thank you guys so much for that support.
If you're uh, watching or listening to this episode on our YouTube channel, one of the best experiences with the show is really on podcast form. Make sure you go on over to your favorite podcasting app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whichever one you like to use, and subscribe to our podcast. It is the best listening experience. And by the way, if you are listening on another podcast service and you want to see a video of this, we actually put up a video version for free on the Spotify podcast feed. So go and subscribe to us over there as well. All right, guys, for everybody in the room, Ray Ora, yeah. Jonathan Voico, Chris Carr, Bye. my name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.